Hey everyone, happy to have you here for another episode of Legacy Matters. Today, as usual, we will talk about whatever comes up with a slight leaning toward discussions of preserving your legacy, preparing for things to come, and sharing stories we find amusing. All right, we are we are on. You too. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's uh, Wednesday morning. Here we are. Yep. Balmy. Balmy. Wednesday. Yep. Hot. Yep. We'll just hit up the weather straight up. Straight uh, up. All right. I, uh, I'm sweat. I'm recovering from about 200 mosquito bites. Oh, did you really get nailed up north? I sure did. I didn't realize until after the fact. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it's, it's a bit uh, annoying and painful. But anyway. Yeah, I'm completely and utterly immune to them. They do not really affect me. Yes, yes, you are. lucky. Mm. Hmm. They like me. <laughs> and when I'm playing like at dusk outside somewhere, they know that I can't swat them. You know, because I have a guitar. Of oh, <laughs> well, we've uh, we've got a guest, guest in today. Yes, uh, Dan will we'll jump right in. Dude. Yeah, it's totally fine. It's uh, it's kind of we're everyone has a mosquito <laughs> mosquito story in, <laughs> right. in Minnesota. Um, let's. Who wants to take it? We should have uh, talked about well, this before. Uh, Jim, uh, are you going to? Someone needs to actually, sincerely, and completely okay, thank I, our audience. I'll do it. Okay, you I'll do try. It. You do Welcome it. to Legacy Matters. Yep. Hi, I'm Sarah. We have Sam and Jim with us as usual. We want a special thank you to our listeners and our audience that continues to grow every single day. We're super excited. Um, yeah, so thank you very much. Be sure to follow us on social media. We're actually Andalyn app on Facebook and on Instagram. You can find us. That's our kind of parent app here. So thank you very much. I think you did a great job yeah. with that. That was oh, wonderful, Sarah. Okay. I wouldn't really add anything to it. Okay. So, all right, all well, right. let's uh, introduce Dan Israel. Uh, so, Dan, you reached out to us. That I really, really appreciated that. Sure. Um, a lot of fun for us to have our local talent, our local musicians come in and and chat. Um, and so that's that's it. You are a local musician, singer songwriter. Singer songwriter. I, I am. I'm, I local. Know. I'm still local. You're still <laughs> local. Yeah. Uh, I, as usual, I told you earlier. Uh, I don't do a lot of research, but I do know that you had a life in politics prior to sort of politics. I mean, technically, it was not political, but. It was state government, state legislature. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, the job was nonpartisan. I guess I maybe you didn't know that part of it. No, and that's a, there's a distinction to be made there. Uh, I'm not nonpartisan, but <laughs> <laughs> but the I'm, job at the time. Yeah, was. I'm curious about this. What was it? The office of of the reviser of statutes. Yeah. So is that when any of the state legislatures want to write a bill? That's right. That they need to come to you. Well, to the office. Yeah, it was like the. I mean, they prepare the bills for the whole House and Senate, not just the legislators, lobbyists, you know, like mm. everything. Everything that might, it could be from a private citizen, but, you know, typically it came from a legislator. But it might have originated somewhere else from a constituent or, but the, everything would come through our office. And I was like a attorney assistant, basically. But the main thing I did was type, edit, proofread bills. Mm. A lot of proofreading, like out loud. Like we would read every word of every bill out loud multiple times. All so, right. Well, we are. That's we a pretty are, serious job. Yeah, we're generally uh, relatively apolitical. Sure. On here, and and there's 
it's just because there's better things to talk about. I agree. These. But I do have to say, uh, I, I get a little bit frustrated with people who avoid politics because they sort of say that they hate all things politic. Right? No, you can't. I mean, but like, it's such an important thing and you're reading every single bill. These are very important yeah. parts of our lives. And if everybody avoids it, yeah. then that, that by necessity means that all the good people avoid. Right. You know, and, and if you someone will to, come in and fill that vacuum, if you're right. avoiding it, someone else who wants power and influence will take, be glad to take up, you know, that's that right. Direction for yeah, it. and that part drives me nuts. I, I, you know, politics aside, be involved, stay right. involved, right? And and all the good people out there, even if I disagree with your ideology, if you're a decent person, I will find common ground with you. Yeah, get involved and be involved, please. But and I, our policy at the office was not. You know, we were supposed to be nonpartisan, but that you know that was a struggle for me sometimes too i mean to to truly be like not have public opinions on things mm-hmm. well it's a little too much to it's ask it's a little bit much to ask yeah, yeah. I but mean, i don't work there anymore so no that was a long time ago right yeah well i've been gone for like two years so oh, it's that's not it? that long yeah i worked so there 21 years that's oh not yeah look at, look at me see again yeah, yeah. research no, no it's really they worked there for 21 years and yeah. then i uh, basically i started doing that kind of i lived in Austin, Texas in the early 90s and I needed a day job because I was a musician, you know, making big bucks. <laughs> yeah, like all the oh, musicians. Yeah. All musicians. Yeah. And I started working as a proofreader for the Texas legislature. So that's actually how I got into that whole line of work is people are like, did you major in government? No, I didn't even, I was a film major. So it mm-hmm. wasn't anything I intended to go into, but my dad worked for the Metropolitan Council here and taught public administration. So it is in my family a little bit, but it wasn't my career choice or anything. It was just what I ended up doing to, as a day job, you know. Right. So I could make music. And yeah, I mean, my, my family's all in medicine in one way or another, mm-hmm. but uh, that doesn't mean that you should let me do any doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but I get it. I, I have a, a better grasp but of it. But it's the than, family business. Yes, and, and so therefore mm-hmm. I can speak the language and I have a little bit better sure. grasp of it, but I'm still not a, don't, don't I, I'm not a doctor. Right. <laughs> and you don't even play one. No. <laughs> so what, well, bad ideas. what bad. precipitated the, uh, the change then from ending that Career, oh, from, wanting to focus solely on music. Well, I mean, I always wanted to do music full time. It was just not a practical reality for a lot of years, and I'm not sure it is, and even now, a practical reality. I mean, like it's it's really tough to be a full time artist, and I'm sure your listeners and you all know that as well. But uh, I I kind of just got to a point, first of all, of exasperation and just being like I struggled all those years trying to balance the two things and then um, a couple things happened in my life that made it a little bit more possible I don't know if I want to get into every aspect of that personal stuff but it uh, I just sort of decided to make the leap a couple years ago now two years in it's like you know life's really expensive I have two kids and uh, I mean I'm divorced but I have them half the time and it, uh, you know, I'm struggling right now to sort of, is this like a viable thing to, mm-hmm. to play music full time? I, I think the jury's out on that. Like, I don't know right now. And I might, I've been joking 
because my last album was called you're free and it was like about my liberation from you know day job life a job that i you know i liked a lot of people there and the work was sometimes interesting but basically i wanted to get out and so i called that that was the title track and the theme of that album was you know you're free and i've been joking that i'm gonna have to put it in the past tense like you were free <laughs> when i go back to work again but we'll see what happens right this now is, i don't know this i just is a know common that, theme yeah yeah I mean, we, we hear this that it's uh you know the what seems like a glamorous path even if you're fairly well known isn't necessarily a well-paid yeah and i'm not even necessarily fairly well known i might be i'm somewhere below fairly well known but well it's just it's the reality like i'm not a big star i mean i i don't know what that even means these days but like there it just every day it feels different right like I can go play a gig and like no one knows who I am and nobody listens one day. (laughs) And then like I can go play and there's like people last night I played, this doesn't sound that glamorous, but I played, I played the national night out um, event and like I've done it a few years in my neighborhood and it's kind of a more organized, this isn't just like a block party. This is like a neighborhood thing with it, a park and everything. You know, I'll start out and nobody seems to care. And I've done it a few years, but then last night there were people that like there was a guy there requesting a song of mine that I didn't know how to play. One of my songs and I was like <laughs> this is kind of awkward. Like I don't know how to play that one. And the people were I don't know. Engaged. I don't know if I'm yeah, they were engaged. Yeah. And and there were a lot of people there that I knew and others that I didn't, but I was like, "Oh, you know, people actually you know that's interesting because we've had some other artists on here Mm -hmm. and and i've i've participated in a few things where artists as such as yourself will do backyard performances here in the twin cities um and they're really cool i mean it's a really intimate setting and and sort of fun so it reminds me of um i would take a living room backyard deck you know, pri- or that kind of thing overplaying in a bar any day. Like, yeah. it's, it's just better. There's no getting around. People are more interested, and it, like the, it's kind of more how music originated. You know, pe- it just feels more natural somehow. But then when people are staring at you and they're six feet away from you and there's no lights, and there's no <laughs> stage, yeah, on it. That, I, I feel kind of vulnerable too. Like, right. I, and I don't know, I never knew what to even now I've played for 30 years I still don't know where to look when I'm right, playing right. Like, do I look at some imaginary spot over everyone <laughs> right, right. do I make eye contact with individual audience members it's like so, so I don't know so I wear shades a lot that, yeah. oh, if you ever wonder why people wear shades that's I think it's as much it's not as you know people always the stereotype is that like that person's on a star trip you like know? they're like, too they cool they think they're too cool yeah i think it's mostly because you don't know what to do with your eyes you right know? and you don't know uh where to look that's my theory mm. but especially Fair when enough, you don't have i don't know whether to stare uh, <laughs> we have we have had the good fortune of having a few of our guests play music and you brought your guitar today yeah. so i think we're gonna have that happen again today and yeah and like i turn away yeah. I look at the wall. I, oh, so do oh, I. It's I would, too intimate. Yeah, yeah I, I would prefer. And it's, thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want solves a dilemma. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> sit and stare at you like. Wow. I, know, I think there's other musicians. I've seen some people who like they'll literally get up and they'll you know they'll look at people and they'll you know 
I just don't. Isn't that draining? It don't is. It's it like draining? it's too much energy expended yeah. in where yep. do I look? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm trying to get into the song and the mood of it. And so sometimes I like if I'm outside, I look at the clouds or you know the sky, something just to sort of get out of that whole awkwardness of playing in front of a live audience, which well, is supposed to be what you Everybody wants love. to look at you. I mean, everyone. Yeah, they're staring at you. at you like you're in a zoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's well, true. You, well, yeah, because it's like you almost music. have a, you, you need like a little monkey with his yeah, guitar. You, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> musician, singer, songwriter, you know, species, uh-huh. whatever. That's, Who that's wears right. glasses all the time? Bono. Bono wears glasses all the I time. I think it's for actual uh, prescription. Yeah, something about Bono might be prescription. Uh, Roy Orbison, you know how yeah. he always. I, have like all these rock history books and apparently Roy Orbison was told to wear shades by his record company because he was considered to not be a good looking person so they said huh. you should wear shades uh, and then he wore them forever huh. you know it's just part of his iconic it's part of his look, look. yeah I always get everything wrong but who is the guy and, and I've got he's featured somewhat heavily on my playlist I mean I've got three or four songs of his in my mm-hmm. my larger playlist uh, 70s guy Saying it was always about women. He's kind of half country, a little Roy Orbison y. Hmm. Merle uh, Hagar? Oh, no, it's not Merle. <laughs> well, uh, really, really unattractive. George Strait? No. Nope. Uh, George Jones? No. No. Darn it. We're guessing G- all the unattractive. Clue. You're close. Well, uh, <laughs> okay, come on. Uh, after the fire's gone out is one of his songs. Like who? After the well, we fire's might have to do some. Cool. I'll do Billy some Joe. Yeah. You guys know. No, I'll, I'll Billy figure Joel. it out. I'll figure I don't it out. know. Oh. He sang that fire song oh, in the eighties. No. That's we didn't find the name. You guys keep talking. There you go. I'll find the name. Okay. But he sings. He sings these songs well. We can get back into it. But he sings these songs about like what an attractive man he is and how like every woman out there must love him. And then you see him in person, you're like, holy shit. Did I say Merle Haggard already? No. Merle, I think, was no, an okay-looking uh, guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. All right, thinking, you guys, I wouldn't mind wearing sunglasses. I was, I know, now that you're saying I, that, I'm like, yeah, you know, I want to do that That's funny, because I thought the same thing. Like, yeah. oh, that... But I want those Johnny Fever ones, that the, oh. the kind, you know, mm-hmm. that are tinted, you know, like mm-hmm. the gradation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe pink at the bottom. Fancy. <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> but, I, I mean, know. if you wear shades at an indoor show, like in the winter, right. then you're really stigmatized as... I mean, there are that? people that I have, but yeah. it's not, it's it sort of, of frowned lights? upon or something. Like, yeah, kind of, but again, that? I think it's just more the protecting yourself. Like sure. you're sort right. of, it's sort of like a shield where people can't see your eyes and thus. And if you're a singer songwriter and you're kind of like a confessional singer songwriter, which I sort of, I guess I do fall into that mode then you know some of my songs are really personal and it's like, I'm playing them for strangers and I feel you know, you feel kind of vulnerable. Like, yeah. like, like you want to wear a baseball hat. Yeah, you want to just, just yeah, you just like this. you want them to hear the songs without being able to see you. Yeah, basically. that's fair. Well, and I like uh, there's you know some people when they first start out singing like they turn around they mm-hmm. don't face the audience. Yeah, look back and mm-hmm. then uh, what was that band in the '90s uh, uh. where the guy they had like the fake lead singer but the the real lead singer was in the back. Millie oh, Vanilli? No, shit. <laughs> oh, darn it. Now I gotta find another one. Fake I, lead singer. No, it, the, they had a music video and it was, uh, it was the guy singing on stage wasn't the real guy singing. It was, he was in the back, but he was too afraid to go out and I'll find that one. Yeah, too. you'll have to. But uh, look, Conway Twitty. Conway Twitty. Oh, Conway Twitty. After the fire is gone. There's nothing cold okay. as ashes after the fire is gone, but Conway Twitty, it was not a very 
but he strikingly but he had a lot handsome of, man, but he had a lot of charisma. Right, and he talked himself up. A lot of hubris. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, Dan, what would you yeah. consider your style? My, my style is, is like uh, rock and roll. I mean, like, I don't have, I'm not, I'm classic rock influenced to like a degree that most people probably sort of run away from these days. Just like, I'm supposed to say that I'm influenced by, it seems like I'm supposed to name all these current things that I'm interested in and I'm I keep people still ask me and I still say like the Beatles and Bob Dylan and the Rolling Stones which is like only a 30 40 year old <laughs> reference now but you know I guess Tom Petty you know mm-hmm. is like right. in many ways kind of my guiding musical force I was big Petty fan but even more so I sort of I think I think I sort of identify with that sound and that you know it's it's not like i don't know i just finished a you record and it's a little bit more experimental for that That's no there's nothing you know, wrong I mean, with that but i mean Petty's people are always legendary. like some people are sort I'm of like oh fan. that's that's been done and um yeah it has yeah, but been it done can but be done well again yeah i mean it was so good to begin with well that's right and we talk about things like that i mean it's okay to been done but you're changing it i'm yeah i think i am and i and it's not like that's all i listen to i mean i actually listen to a pretty wide variety of of music and you know i don't even just listen to the genre that i work in you know i try i listen to jazz and classic whatever i listen to everything but when it comes down to it what am i still sort of like when it all comes down to it i still sort of fall into that you know sort of like I, I, sometimes I tell people that like right around the time it's Traveling Wilburys and mm-hmm. Full Moon Fever Petty album came out I think that's sort of when I decided I could do this like mm-hmm. because I was already starting to write my own songs a little bit around that time and it sort of gave me the idea that I could do it like I was like oh that's kind of like what I want to do you know that's actually popular now it doesn't seem like it's that popular sometimes I mean the genre is sort of rock in general is sort of like second tier almost now in terms of what millennials and younger are listening to now right i mean Mm -hmm. but then i see it coming back Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. and i see the vinyl resurgence and an interest you know i took my son to elo a couple weeks ago it's like that was amazing he likes elo it's like okay so that's yeah that's sort of of interesting that that's coming back or whatever yeah weren't you saying that uh or was it someone else but saying that uh the kids like riding up north they know all of the classic the good yeah classic the, the, ki- the kids like we you know when we go up north um yeah you know that's kind of the time that i'm i spend listening yeah. to music and and the kids that i'm around our kids you know i mean they're like you know you know trying to say hey check this out you know it's usually some rap yeah type thing you yeah. know and it's just heavily it's all produced yeah. there's no actual live there's no acoustic live. guitar no there's nothing but then at the same time i'll be like oh i'm gonna put this on it'll be the beatles or the yeah. stones and and everybody knows it they're it's like oh yeah to, this is a good tune too maybe that's a good byproduct of i mean i'm generally bummed out about streaming and you know spotify and everything because as an artist we can get into this more or we can not i don't necessarily love talking about it because it's depressing but you know i think most people even non-artists are now probably aware that like artists are making almost nothing from streaming of music but 
now would your kids would our kids know all this older music were it not for the easy ability to stream youtube and spotify and all this stuff so that may be the upside sort of is that it's exposing them to to this music yeah, but then there's really also the one, rock yeah. biopic thing that's starting you know with the queen right. movie John, and <clears throat> yeah elton john and queen it's like that the exposure given to classic rock if you want to call it or whatever from those movies is just you can't even quantify it it's unbelievable what's happening with some of that so maybe the answer is biopics Right. So maybe I need to make a biopic <laughs> by myself. Um, uh, amongst other yeah. things. You my, my amazing li- sordid life story. <laughs> uh, the band I was trying to think of was Blues Traveler. Do you, do you remember that oh, video God. where their, uh, their oh. first big hit, it's like he's, the, the whole song is about him sitting in the background not I being able remember. to He was really of, big. Because he was a big yeah, dude. And he, he had stomach surgery i mean he's not that big he's anymore. not as big as no he was, yeah but at the time I, I bet that was really hard for him to be the front man of a really successful band when he was that when he didn't want to be in the he spotlight was yeah he didn't exactly john popper john popper, john yes. popper yeah. yeah so that was a video see i did have a good reference you no you were, you were right that i just right. couldn't remember yeah. the name <laughs> and he's talked about that too i think you know, yeah so <laughs> yeah i mean i i don't know that i've ever uh bothered because I'm not a musician to, yeah. to take the time to think of what it would be like to be up there uh, strumming a guitar thinking of lyrics to, you know it's, just getting the whole thing working and it, then also you have to freaking connect with everyone it's like, kind of scary and if you're not like a super extrovert or at least a stage extrovert like a Mick Jagger or Freddie Mercury or one of these then it's even and I I'm not saying it's easy for people like that either but I'm not that you know like you come to a show of mine i'm not gonna wow you with my stage moves you're not dancing i'm not really much of it and but i just i'm not like a flamboyant lead person like i come and i sing my songs and that so sometimes that feels like you're boring you feel like you're boring people because you're not put you know doing some crazy antics like david lee roth jumps i I knew that was you know (laughs) i grew up in the era of all those flamboyant front front people for bands but that's just not really who i am you know right right yeah well not everyone you know you can't we can't all be that but there was a whole trend when i was you know of the music that i grew up listening to there was a huge trend of having a lead singer but the lead singer wasn't the main songwriter you know the who or Mm -hmm. led zeppelin Mm -hmm. really where like you had this guitar player who was like the genius songwriter but then they would install the more acrobatic lead singer as the you know the mouthpiece of the band a little um, more sexy on the it is sort of side, but yeah. yeah i've always wondered like how would the who have sounded if they'd never had roger daltrey if it was just pete townsend singing his own songs he because he could have right he could and they would have been good still but would yep. they have been was he too shy of a per is that why he had you he know, didn't have enough stage presence. Yeah, probably. he, he, he could still. I that. think he. I've read him talking about. I mean, I've read it, all their books. I read all these rock books too. So I, I'm always curious, like what the real thought process was behind all those decisions. And I think that is part of it mm-hmm. for some of those bands. Yeah. You know, sure. it's funny when you. Uh, so I think of like growing up with uh, Circus Magazine and Hit Parader, sure. and uh, oh yeah, all mm-hmm. of those. And you know, this is. You know, the yeah, time little, when, you know, Jimmy the Rocker. Yeah. So yeah. there'd be like 
the full, you know, it'd be David Lee Roth jumping. And that was a still shot, Mm -hmm, you know? And you'd be like, wow, look at that. But then when you see him live, he just jumps. He's not suspended <laughs> in midair. Yeah, he's not suspended <laughs> in midair. Why? But there's posters like a David yes. Lee. You know, if you get a Van Halen poster or on their album covers, yeah. like uh, were you a was, big Van Halen fan then? Oh, I you still were. am. See, I'm. I'm yeah, I, I like res- everything. Yeah, no, I, I, I sort of reappreciated hard rock, heavy metal of the late seventies, early eighties type right. stuff. But I wasn't really like. I had friends who were more into that than I was, so I, yeah. I was always aware that would have been of that it. guy right there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I'm into it, a lot of things, sure. but but the, I think it's interesting the imagery of being suspended, as you just said. Oh, yeah. so, you know, all of those rock things. You know, well, it's like they it's, yeah. they're just if yeah. they do a David Lee Roth uh, rock anthem movie, they should. He should never touch the ground. He should be in that. <laughs> he should pose. just be like, floating. He yeah, should go he's everywhere just, he floats. He's, <laughs> he's, he's constantly doing the splits. Yeah. And, and, and like, uh, would he, I think he had the swords that he yeah. would, he would uh, yeah. do some martial arts on stage. I mean, it, just for, yeah. for all just eternity, <laughs> the guy is just floating through midair. But right. those are the bands that are sort of having the more trouble aging, too. You oh, know, I mean, no I, I know they've gone through all kinds of oh, yeah. switches, and but I'm just. I think about that a lot too when you when you went for these astronomically high notes when you were 20 years old in the studio and then for 50 years you have to go out and try to recreate mm-hmm. something you did when you were 20 years old mm-hmm. live and it's just like it's painful to watch somebody have I can't do why would they be able to do that why would they be able to hit the same note and do the same jumps you know 50 years later it right. sort of set the bar really high for yourself and then well and they glorified the drugs and alcohol yeah and, 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 and then you, you can't do that for 50 right. years either well, you like would wouldn't be alive if, yeah <laughs> so, I mean, yeah mm-hmm. nobody does it i mean the old timers don't do anything i mean ozzy's barely alive most of them are sober <laughs> now yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, Ozzy's one too, yeah. That's, right. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, seems to have caught up with him, I would say. Crazy Train, <laughs> though, it seems like it's almost like a uh, therapeutic mental health anthem now. You know, it's instead of just sounding like a, a young guy who's going crazy with drugs and alcohol or whatever and party lifestyle, now it sounds like it's like a therapeutic song. I, yeah. I hear it differently. Yeah, maybe I'm not. I, I don't think I'm the only one who hears. No, that. I, I I completely <laughs> agree know, with you. you yeah, know, so the context <laughs> changes <laughs> as as all things do. So mm-hmm. you're doing a um, not a tribute concert. You're doing a uh, something with sorry, <laughs> something with um, Bob Dylan, right? You're doing a, a well, we're doing this weekend. We're doing the a last waltz tribute. You know, last waltz was the the final band show, the, the band. Mm-hmm. And then they had all these guests. It, Martin Scorsese did the the movie version of the con, you know the concert film in seventy. Well, I guess it was Thanksgiving seventy six. I think was the last waltz. And then you know we started. Yeah, we did a bunch of these over the years, and so we're just continuing to do this last waltz tribute. So if you've seen the movie, or you can go see the movie, you can sort of see what it is we do, but. I, yeah, I get to play Bob Dylan at it, which mm-hmm. is fun. There's three Bob Dylan songs towards the end, so I get I get a little longer guest slot for that. And I do Dylan. I actually launched sort of like a Dylan tribute thing this year. I, we've only had one gig so far, but for years I talked about because I did all these one-off Dylan show things where I would. There were various Dylan tribute 
concerts that happened around town and i would do one or one to three songs and then i was sort of like i know 50 dylan songs why don't i why don't i do this but it's just another it's hard to get like a whole other project off the ground when i'm trying to create original music too and put out a new album and all this so it hasn't mm-hmm. taken up a lot i haven't had a lot of time and energy to devote to it but mm-hmm. i i do like singing bob dylan songs yeah and do you have a favorite? I, oh i have 25 sure favorites yeah. yeah it's like <laughs> someone have, tries to say name your favorite led zeppelin album and like it's impossible yeah that's yeah. that's a tough or one journey. too three your favorite zeppelin journey three. song can you do yeah, that yeah zeppelin three <laughs> zeppelin three is my favorite <laughs> i love them all but my, my no, mom is from that. the iron range too okay. and so and and i've recorded a few albums or at least some of the albums with rich Matson up in sparta which is on the iron range so i have all these iron range connections and my mom actually grew up she knew dylan a little bit like she met him a couple times and as i you know i heard that when i was a kid and then when i got older i was like mom did you really you know when i got to be a huge dylan fan it sort of started to truly blow my mind that my mom had grown up with him and and knew him a little bit way back then not recently (laughs) right but uh so and then i you know even aside from that i just i've sort of been a, a bit obsessive at times with dylan just because I, all the all that stuff would be true. I would still be obsessive about Bob Dylan, even if I didn't have any family, geographical, ethnic connections to it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I do have all those too. You yeah, know? So, so, so that like, adds it's to like, it. Yeah, just it sort of exponentially ups the whole thing to where. I, and I, you know, I did meet him once. But that's a whole other story. But we can. Oh, you talk, did. Yeah. But well, there's it's. So in doing this podcast, we've had the good fortune of having uh, all sorts of people in here, yeah, uh, all stripes, yeah, and and uh, you know I worked for almost twenty years at a boys camp, and and some of the last names of the children that attended that camp are uh, internationally known last names, right? Because they're the children of some, yes, someone who everybody knows, yes, you know? yes. Uh, We're in Minnesota, where like the totally disproportionate number of great artists and writers and entertainers have come from it <laughs> totally it i i think we take it for granted or we don't quite realize it sometimes that it's there's something rather extraordinary here you know you can't deny that and, most definitely uh, and and everyone we've met and all of the all of the hype over all of this like they're just people we're all oh, yeah. we're all human and we're all just people yeah. and it's so interesting a guy like Dylan like good good luck you know forming a, a relationship with Bob Dylan at this point in his life but I don't know how he I don't know what his life is really like I yeah. don't he's very I, mysterious he, no you don't hear I, a lot about I, him he is pretty mysterious he do, he kind of comes and goes out of the public eye and mm-hmm. then sort of leaves you with all these little clues and breadcrumbs to follow do you know where he lives Dylan? Does anyone know? He has a lot of different residences. I, I mean, Mal- I know that in Malibu, and then he has, uh, you know, the family has a farm here out near Buffalo, Minnesota. Okay. And and he's, I know that he's comes back pretty often to that to that spot. And I mean, yeah, I don't. I just still, don't, I, you know, I know so much about him, but I don't really. I can't still can't quite envision what his daily life is like. It, but he does tour still, right? Mm-hmm. I mean he's what almost he's getting close to 80 and he's still on the road like 
half the year uh-huh. every right. every year and like, he's definitely got i mean that that mural downtown mm-hmm. of him is yeah, it's pretty like, amazing well what i mean mm-hmm. yeah we could talk about dylan for hours <laughs> oh i know <laughs> i well, mean i mean it's yeah. it's kind of amazing that this kid came from northern minnesota and just totally transformed the world and like when you read i read all these rock history books and it's like it always comes back to dylan because he changed the whole like landscape of what it meant to create rock music you know and the, i mean the influence right away on the beatles was like profound the beatles changed because of dylan and that then everything changed because because of, of him so i don't you know it'll be discussed for decades and sometimes people are oh it it won't matter no it'll matter Mm -hmm. trust me they'll be still talking about bob dylan a hundred years from now i guarantee it Mm -hmm. i'll put it in your podcast but but at one point put it it in the ground in a time capsule (laughs) (laughs) at one point uh bob dylan was just a kid from minnesota and he was a kid going to the u of m or whatever like you could just meet him so it's you know and human being another person and i feel like uh with our guests I don't know. There's something about the kind of general humble nature of Minnesotans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it cuts both ways too, though, because oh, because you're never supposed to see yourself as. I mean, the ethos of Minnesota is like you're never <laughs> supposed to see yourself as a star or as a big shot or anything. But that's kind of antithetical to the whole thing you're trying to pursue if you're an artist is some kind of unique place in the universe and and people thinking that you have something individual and important to say so the two things clash uh, it's a, like a constant turmoil it's in a us tension as, that's as always upper there midwesterners yeah mm-hmm. totally yeah but uh i think the in in reaching out to musicians uh the some of the younger ones that we've had on and and we've got some great guests coming up uh but they they may very well find themselves in kind of a position of fame at some point. Sure. Um, but the the already or long-term famous people like Willie Nelson and, and gosh. Uh, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. <laughs> Bruce Hornsby, I reached out to him. Anyway, the people who. Oh, have, there's just a, there was. Hall was notes. Just there was, he's. I don't think they make their own decisions anymore is the deal. I think that everything about, once you've been in the spotlight for that long everything about their daily regimen is probably you get into a a, someone manages yeah somebody's kind of handling a lot of that but you know you still have to be an artist and you still have to you need your own time yeah you still need your i don't know i just don't know what it's like because i've never been you know i've i've had like very fleeting glimpses of what it's like to be a a rock star but the, they've been very fleeting and glimpses. <laughs> only. Dan, how Just many times are distance. you sort of out right now, like gigging? Like how so, many shows are you? Well, doing? since I quit my job, I I've sort of gotten into where I play sometimes even like three or four times a week. Yeah. But I see now. Here's another. There's another whole tension here because um, if you're if you're doing music for a living, but you're not yet like yet i mean i'm assuming it's going to happen what, hey what optimism. that's optimism yeah, yeah that's no, that's, but if, if you're not at a point where you are always in demand to go on tour and play to big crowds in other places then you're essentially kind of, and also i have family i have, still have youngish kids um so you're you're kind of forced to play in your hometown a lot well that's not so good for certain aspects of getting people interested and excited because you're over you're overplaying because you need the income from the gigs so it 
that's sort of another dilemma of being a full-time musician is that like I actually sort of need to reduce how much I play in the Twin Cities but I'm counting on that for my income too so that's mm-hmm. yeah that's yet another mm-hmm. you know, catch 22 it is a little say. bit yeah I'm still trying to figure that out like I think that um, it would be easier in some ways if I just could go on tour and play in other places more but I don't have that recognition yet that people would are begging me to come and, play and and this know, is primarily you solo too right? um well or, i play yeah i play when i perform i play solo a lot and a lot of that is just frankly economic you know fewer people to split the pay with but and also just logistically easier but i actually if i had my so-called druthers whatever those are i would uh I would play with a band like almost every show. I mean, I, I love playing with a, and the bigger, the better. Like I, it's, it's all that much more interesting and fun to play with more people on stage, but it, it's also that much less income, the more people you bring up to play with you. So it's only really for bigger shows that I bring the band and really important, crucial shows that I bring like a larger version of my band, which, but in the studio that, and I always sort of have to explain that to people. Like, if they see me playing solo, which is most of my gigs, then I'm like, I'm selling my CDs, and I'm like, these CDs don't sound anything like what you just heard. These CDs have drums, bass, multiple guitars, keyboards, backup singers, percussion, you know, like Little strings. Different. Yeah. I mean, and the album I just completed is like full of big production numbers with lots of, lots of instrumentation, you know, and that's what's great about going um, in the studio, actually. It, well, does that uh, that leads into a, a question that I now have? Do you do you know Paul Boblet? Yeah. Okay. Because yes. there's we're meeting with them next week, and he's like this this uh, week. This week. This week. That's mm-hmm. right. Friday. Yeah. Uh, there's something mythical about the guy. Or right. I don't well, fully understand it, but know everybody him. knows Paul Boblet. Oh yeah, he's yeah. He must just be like the nicest guy. He's I, a really nice guy, and well, and also he's put together some really amazing shows like that XTC tribute thing that mm, I went okay. to that this mm-hmm. year and my drummer in my band Dave Russ is involved he sang a couple songs at that and a lot of the people I know are involved with that and but I hadn't been to it before and those are it's a band that like pulling off their stuff live is like I wouldn't personally even attempt it it's so difficult like it they're they're very Beatlesque, and so the albums are extremely difficult to replicate live, and yet they did it amazingly well. So that awesome, I, like as opposed to doing Dylan songs live, which the, yeah, I mean you want to have certain aspects. There are production elements that you'd want to try to incorporate, but it's not like trying to pull off the Beatles or XTC live. Right. Those are right. often he bands that just... never even performed their own material live. Right. And he, they're going out and playing these songs like they sound on the album. So it's just a really uh, amazing thing to accomplish. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we, uh, we have definitely taken up our first half here. So let's take a, let's take a quick break. Quick break. Quick audience. break. And quick we'll come break. back. Okay. Packing for a trip? Let Pack Simply give you a little help by delivering travel-safe products directly to your door in an airport security-safe pouch. Unbelievably easy and surprisingly simple. 
make your life easier, visit PackSimply.com. All right, all right, all right. Need some help with a construction project? Looking for thoughtful design and honest answers about what is possible and what isn't? Kinetic Design Build is a full-service boutique remodeling service, residential and commercial clients in the Twin Cities. Design and build with a purpose. Visit kineticdesignbuild.com to request a consolation. God, I just like that. That one. All right, that one is definitely not going to be mine. That could be oh, my favorite. I Brought to you by the Andalin app. Preserve your memories, prepare for the future, and share with those you love. Andalin. Uh. Andalin now available on the App Store and Google Play. Visit Andalin.app for more information. Want to go on a wilderness adventure with Sam? Or maybe know a group of kids who could benefit from a break from their electronics? Maybe you just need a break from the kids. Visit EarthEd.org for more information about how to get started. Do you have an idea that you know deserves a digital solution? Finding a partner to help navigate the digital design and application building process can be daunting. Mobile Composer, in partnership with Kinetic Legacy, offers forward-thinking design built on a stable and adaptable compliance platform. Visit mcomposer.com or kineticlegacy.us to get started building the solutions of tomorrow. Enterprise or consumer together, Mobile Composer and Kinetic Legacy offer solutions that work in a language you can understand. Interested in art? James Holmberg is both an artist and an art consultant. Let James guide you to an original work that will come alive in your home. Visit jamesholmberg.com to find out more. My album, so my album is called Social. My the album that's coming out. Yeah. The title is Social Media Anxiety Disorder. That's the name. <laughs> of oh. Which is going to I be got, like. What? People, I got to warn everybody that I I hit the old record button. Oh. Oh. You know it's okay. okay. We, sure. we our second half always starts that's like fine. this. Just that's, so you know it. It's not a secret. But yeah, I usually catch Jim saying something. Right. I missed him just. Just prior to me turning <laughs> it on, talking about said, imaginary and then I bugs, think I'm crazy, and it's like, well, <laughs> Jim, but you are crazy. That's, yeah, we're all um, crazy, but I might. Uh, wow. Well, how, how would you? Well, be you were kind of crazy too, Sarah. Oh, yeah, Sarah's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, you got to get in a good I like, to really. Get I like being crazy, it. and people are like, really? I'm like, yeah. Everyone, I right? Mean, we the all times have we it. Live in our uh, not real conducive to total sanity. sanity. No, that's true. There's All right, so, no equilibrium yeah. these days. So tell us about the new album. So basically, I just put. So I, I mean, this is kind of what I do. Like more than anything else, is is write songs. I mean, it's the only thing I think I'm actually distinctively. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a pretty good guitar player, but I'm not great. There's so many people better than me at singing sure. and playing guitar, and they just like you can't that was never gonna set me apart i was never good enough at those things to like really you know i thought stand out so i just sort of decided at some point that songwriting was going to be the thing i was going to be most attentive to and obsessive with i guess and so ever since i was 
mm, I guess in high school, but really more starting in college. I, I had a four track recorder and I just started to, you know, make little demos of my songs. And so that's continued up through all these years. Whenever I've had time, that's what I work on the most is, you know, I have tape. I use I, I would have never survived it in the pre-technology era, I don't think, because I, I rely on tape recorders to have save all my ideas. And um, and I did this all the years that I worked, too, that I would just kind of collect my song ideas and then go back with notebooks and flesh out the lyrics and everything. But then since I quit my job, I've had even more time. And so I'm not saying I always use that time so well. But when I did use it well was <laughs> in trying to write. So I, I put out... And I, so I put out a lot of records, you know, this in 2018, that was last year, I put out this album, You're Free, which was sort of like, I said it was sort of like my liberation album from my job. And then I, I didn't anticipate doing another album very soon. I was sort of like, I'm done, I'm spent, I, I, I can't, I don't have any more ideas, I, I don't feel like I have a lot more to say. And I went on, um, I, I, last year I did I mean, you asked me a simple question. I'm giving you a really long answer, but there's a reason because it sort of has to, I have to sort of wind my way back up to why I'm even making this album. But anyway, last year, I uh, took a big trip with my kids to Europe at the end of the last summer. And then I also got an opportunity to go on a tour. Um, and so I went last fall, I went to Germany for a month or five weeks, actually. I lived in in Bremen, Germany is sort of like this tour company thing and they they put you up in an apartment and then you tour, you rent a car and you tour all over Germany and the Netherlands and Belgium and so I I was sort of like okay, this is I I mean, it was great. I, I loved that life. I had never really gone on extended tour and I hadn't really ever been to Europe and um I sort of was like, this is the life for me. But I came back and I, I didn't have another tour set up. I didn't, I hadn't, I'm not at some point in my career where people are clamoring to send me on tour anywhere. And it was like a really heavy dose of reality last win this past winter. I came back from Germany and, you know, I had gigs here and I had some things to do, but I really wasn't quite sure what I was doing with my life. I, I knew I had quit my job to pursue music full time, but all of a sudden the reality of it all was starting to set in. And I, and I also sort of felt like whatever buzz I had from the last album, which literally just came out May of 2018, it wasn't even very long ago, but I felt like it was gone. I had no momentum. Um, I got sort of embroiled and we're not going to go super political, so I'm not going to get heavy into it, <laughs> but I got sort of embroiled in some political controversies that put sort of a wedge between myself and a lot of people that I like and care about, especially in the music scene. And I sort of felt like it was, uh, you know, impacting my ability to, to do things. Um, mm -hmm it just wasn't it wasn't helping anything and so i sort of retreated back into my notebooks and my songwriting and i was like well this is the one thing i know how to do i'm gonna go and i'm gonna try to get a bunch of songs together and so by uh that's basically you know we had a rough winter here i mean it wasn't it those, was i'm talking about personal things that happened but on top of all that the winter sucked mm -hmm. right it was really long and really cold and really snowy and really 
isolating and I didn't have that day job to go to every day and in that many routine, ways that right? yeah in many ways that was good but it also isolated me further you know and I really struggled with how to fill my days and so I I decided you know I was going to go make another record and even though it was only a few months after the last one and I it's expensive to make a record and it's sure. it's time consuming and but I just decided I was going to do it and so I I and I wanted to do it a little differently than the previous ones and I sort of talked to some people I knew in the music scene here and I ended up going to two different studios here in town to make this this new record and so I I did it it's about half and half I did half of the record with a guy named John Herkert who's been in a bunch of bands and lives out in Minnetonka and has a home studio that's amazing and then I did the other half with Steve Price who's in the the suburbs these days and he's been in lots of bands and he's done all kinds of great projects at his studio in south minneapolis it's also like a home they're both in garages ones attached ones detached but they're garage <laughs> they're garage studios that are really great studios and they're both amazing producer engineers and so i i had this batch of songs i actually had like 20 to 25 songs and i sort of let them i pitched them pitched them to them but I also sort of let them choose which ones they wanted to work on and so that's basically what I did and I spent several months like lots of my days were spent going it as much as anything it was like something a, a positive thing for me to be able to do during the day I felt like I was actually accomplishing something musical and important and creative and it also was like a direction for me to go in and and direct some of this restless energy that i constantly have so uh and it took a few months um we spent a lot of time on it and brought in a lot of guest players and really just probably as much as i've made a lot of records this one might have been the most involved in in a lot of ways just because also i had the time to do it mm -hmm. without having a day job i was able to you know not have to squeeze it into nights and weekends and taking the random occasional day off begging for a day off didn't have to go through all that and that opened things up a little bit, I think, creatively, to where I didn't have to feel like I was rushing through it. And so I've made something that I'm really proud of, and uh, I hope that, I, I mean, there's, a, there's like a theme, there's a few different themes on the new album, but one really overriding theme is sort of, there's a song called Out of My Hands, and it's like the closing song on the album, and it, it's kind of like this big production number, but it's really just about me trying to accept whatever happens happens in a way because i've you know if you're 48 years old and you've made 15 albums and you don't feel like you're really quite where you want to be <laughs> there's a certain a aspect of it that, that that's incredibly frustrating and incredibly like maddening and people are always asking you well what you know what how about you get your songs into movies? And I'm like, yeah, how about that? <laughs> yeah, like, like, thanks for that. What, what are you I haven't thought of that. Uh, <laughs> or a commercial. Maybe you could or, pass. You know. Right. Yeah, everyone thinks. You're a that, damn genius. I mean, people, people, I know they're trying to be helpful, but it's like, it's not actually helpful. It's like salt in a wound. I've mm. been trying to get my songs into TV shows and movies for 25 years. Right. And I have like, some pretty darn good connections in the industry having gone to Northwestern with as a film major and knowing a lot of people and even with those connections I still haven't you know and um, 
you know so there's there's an aspect of it that is like i don't want you know i'm actually going up to rich Matson's studio in a couple weeks to record some other songs with my band uh but there's also a feeling right now having finished this album it's like well here you go world album 15 <laughs> you don't like it fuck off <laughs> right this is it i can't do any better but, but i mean that this is this is my heart and soul and i'm pouring it into it and i've been trying to make people hear it and i've never had a major label deal and i've never had a song in a big show or movie and i've never had that breakthrough hit thing that i think i've written about 40 of them <laughs> you know yeah. it's like what does a person have to do i there are far it's like I've said this so many times I'm blue in the face there are way 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 bigger injustices than me not being a big rock star and nobody really wants to hear about that injustice and they don't care and they rightfully so there's a lot more important things however like if I can't make it after all this time and all the what, work you've put yeah, in who's yeah. gonna I mean hmm. is it just luck is it literally just I haven't had the I, I mean in my more moments of clarity i sort of feel like yeah that's basically what it is i haven't gotten it into the right person's hands or i haven't had that one person in the industry who believed in me and was going to tell everybody else this guy's a genius and whatever i don't know if right. i'm a genius i don't i don't care i mean that's not oh, i you're just too would minnesotan like, to be a genius yeah, i'm too minnesotan <laughs> yeah, i would just could like, admit it if you I were would, right that's true <laughs> even if i but i would just like is it too much to ask to like have enough happen maybe with this next album that like I could not have to go get another day job and not have to do everything I did all those years? Like, is that asking too much? Oh, no, so we, we took a much. little a no. little break in the middle and Jim yeah. and I went into the you know, we went and peed. Yeah. And <laughs> took a piss. Took a piss. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is exactly the theme of what I, I was I like we have worked very, very hard around here and, and who are we telling this to? Like, you know, right. I don't want to cry to people about right. how Nobody hard I work. They don't care about Nobody it. Nobody cares. No. And, they, <laughs> and I get it. I don't want to be the person telling them either. But, I know. But we work super hard. Right. And, and you wonder, like, not, not only are we hard working, but we've put out some really beautiful things. Right. That need to get out there and be used. And it's almost like people, it's it's okay, I'm not complaining. People don't. But I'm, aren't you like, is this thing on? Yeah. yeah. Like, is like, anybody. I, like, what anyone, do I need to do? It's, it's a timing <laughs> thing sometimes. I mean, it's and just. Luck. It, it, and luck. It is luck. It's luck, but it's perseverance, you yeah. know? It, it really is. You just got to, well, and I, you know. So I was feeling very doing. sorry for myself last night for a few hours. And, it, I, you know, I don't know. It just happens from you're time to time. You're entitled to a pity party now yeah. and then. Yeah. <laughs> so I threw myself that little yeah. pity party. Yeah. And then. And then, but there's something about it that sort of galvanizes your resolve or something. I wake up the next day and I'm like, you know what? Screw off, pity party Sam. I'm like, yeah. you're going to move on and you're yeah. going gonna to get back in there. And even though you work really hard, like you're not going to go find a job that is completely unsatisfying, that you hate, that you go to every day and, and just live the... I've done that. Oh, You've God. done that. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. You don't want to... It's it's not fulfilling even no. if the paycheck is you know adequate adequate right yeah but and, and i mean I, you know let's look honestly <laughs> at like artists through the you know modern human history there's a f significant number of great artists who and i don't even like to point this out because it's too depressing <laughs> but <laughs> I know they, where didn't, he's going. they didn't get their due till they were dead yeah. right. yep. 
This is yep. all Jim's art. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jim has so, had two shows at the MIA. Jim is a, an accomplished, <laughs> incredibly, respected, incredibly galleries talented. around the That's country, really cool. and that man will never get. You know, right. never it's get the recognition. It's not going to happen. I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> are you sure? But are you sure? No, I'm not sure. I'm not That's sure. See, because I'm going on that. I'm going on that two percent or less chance. That you have I, to. I, that that maybe, maybe, it could still happen. Now, when you're a parent and you're responsible <laughs> sure. for kids, and you oh, got to figure out how you're going to pay for college and. Feed, feed them and and you know my more pressing concerns are have to do with like housing like i had to move this year and my rent is let's so were you get moving while you were making that yeah album? i had to move while i was making the record okay yeah, and this is also during the winter yes yeah, well no it actually i got to move at the beginning of the summer but okay sure. just having to move yeah. super duper sucked for me because i have so much stuff mm-hmm. and it i assumed that moving i was sucks let's yeah, just moving just it. sucks and uh you know, all of these things, you can focus on all that and you can say the realities are so grim. Like, you know, I'm running out of resources, translation, money. Um, <laughs> why do we say resources? I'm running out of money. Straight I'm running cash. out of money. Straight cash. And I was going to do a, a Kickstarter campaign. I even launched one for this album. And I had it up for like four days and I got all panicky about not making my goal or just I didn't like That's the whole... We've been down that path yeah. too, and it's just too depressing. Yeah. It's so yeah. it's awful begging people for money. Uh, so I pulled it. I pulled it down. I may still actually launch like some other because I really do need to if I'm going to do some of the things I want to do with this album. I you know I self financed it, which was absurd. Um, <laughs> we don't want to get into we're self financed yeah, too. You're right. speaking our language yeah, here. Yeah, and it's like it's and meanwhile everyone right everyone around you is always like. How's it going? Are you things successful? And you're like, how does it feel to be uh, a failure? I define successful. I don't know. I mean, I'm oh, losing man, money. This is depressing. Yeah, well, we're, no, but, we're all laughing. But well, it's, it's not but depressing. Not. Because, I love it. I love because it. you know, here's the thing: you gotta take, you gotta you take to that take leap. And how many lives do you get? You only you get, get the, the one, one. Okay. and you're and you're an artist, and and that has a grip. You know, you are here to create. I mean, that's that's, that's the passion. I, that's what you're doing, and, that you're, and and that's a contributing thing to mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you've you're a contributing it changes people's person. Lives. You know, I does. hope so. It I'm does. trying to make a difference. I'm trying to swim against the tide of indifference and division in our society, mm-hmm. hatred, uh, violence. You know, to, as are to we. crumbling yep. of all the institutions, crumbling of everything that binds the us together, fabric. the social fabric. I'm trying to do all those things. I see less talented people than me constantly leapfrog ahead of me in the <laughs> music world. That's just the reality. I've seen that yeah. happen again and uh-huh. again. I mean, they're lovely people. And again, and they're wonderful people. I'm sure they're wonderful, they wonderful people. <laughs> and their songs suck. <laughs> and I see it all the time. And I and I and I'm like I listen back to you know my you know like people will say oh I don't listen to my own albums. <laughs> yeah, I do. I listen to my own albums because I need to believe in myself again mm-hmm. is the whole reason I did it in the first place was to like have I, I've said this before sometimes I think I create music so I have something I like to listen to sure. um, so that's interesting because you're creating things for well do you create it for yourself kind of mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. How old which are is your the most honest it, way to create uh, I my think. son's about to turn 14 and my daughter's 11 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. So my and I have them half time too. So I'm my kids are uh, twelve and ten. Oh, so we're, yeah. yeah, yeah, similar. I, I and I, you know, I worked with kids uh, for a long time, and generally speaking, they would be between the ages of you know they were eight to eighteen, but I was typically more with the. 14, 15, yeah. 16, 17, 18 year olds. And uh, in in what you said here, like, I think you were about to kind of say that that you've got this, this responsibility to, to teach your kids or to point your kids in a direction where they they don't struggle in the same way maybe with art there was some part of oh what i do i do feel that uh they're neither one seems to want to become a singer songwriter i can mm. tell you that i mean they're looking at this life up close and they're going uh-uh like right who needs that but i'm the i'm the sort of dickhead who over the years would tell those kids from affluent families who are already they i mean they're the privilege is already taken hold. They right. have the best educations. Yeah. They've got the things are lined up. They're going to yeah. end up in in a great college. They're sure. going to have these opportunities Everything's during laid the summer. out for them. Yep. And I would tell them, you know, you should give all that shit up and get to go be an well, artist. Well, <laughs> Just follow your passions. You I only mean, live once, kid. What are you thinking? Maybe they should. I, I mean, how it, fulfilling is it going to be to just go into that the track that's just created for them? I It's... It, as Not much as I feel sorry for myself sometimes, I like I would never give up the constant struggle of of trying to produce something that I'm personally proud of. Yeah, you're proud of that's and meaningful. All along I've been told various things about how I could make a kind of music that might be more commercial and might mm-hmm. be more trendy and might catch on more. And I've always thought what's the point of that? Right. Right. Like right. what it's if the, I don't create something that I <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's no different from going to a job. I don't. Then it just becomes a job, right? Mm-hmm. I. The whole point is, I'm. If it's not on my terms, at least somewhat, it's worthless to me. It has no meaning whatsoever. Yeah. So I'm gonna, you know, and I, I did take some chances with this album in terms of like some production stuff that that was very different for like out of my typical genre sort of you sure. know and i won't you know necessarily give away all of what that is people can hear it when it comes out and decide if they like dan israel rapping or not but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a little bit of rapping oh, oh my god that's sort awesome. of rapping my kids recoiled physically recoiled oh. when i told them i had a song it's where like I the was bare naked ladies the, or whatever didn't they throw a little rap in there's there's been all kinds of <laughs> there's there's rapping in some of the yeah. unexpected <laughs> Places. Uh, no I shit. mean, I didn't. I didn't go full on hip hop, but uh, I. Well, know. we've got a pretty good relationship with Laserbeak. We can send sure. You in the well, to Beak Studios. And I, I might still out. need to do my my rap album. <laughs> yeah. By the way, that might be the guy there ever. Oh yeah, I've heard good things about Laserbeak. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so stick with it, kid. You're fine. Well, Don't. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's. What the hell else am I gonna do? Yeah, now? nothing at this point. And it's your path. It's your yeah. journey. It I is. Mean. And there's a song on the album on this new album called it, the song is called "Might as Well Be Me," and it's sort of like the lyrical idea is basically like why? Well, maybe it is my time. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It Just could, stick with it. It could. Right. I mean, it could be and it could not be, but I. I can't necessarily control whether something catches on. I just know that I've put everything I have into getting to this point and I put everything I have into this and I put my heart and soul into it and I wrote the best songs I could possibly write and I think they're super catchy and I think the product, you know, 
I did everything I could do. It. I'm proud of it, and the rest is is a bit like out of my control. So it's cool well, though. I won mean, me over. I mean, I'm going to be listening to your music. Good, good. Your legacy yeah. behind. I mean, you yeah. know, and your kids get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. You yeah. know, there's more something. Than most people. Yeah. I mean, music's pretty amazing. Like sometimes, you know, when you you just think about this, like this composition oh, it, it and the, oh. the songs, and then. And, you know, it just kind of lives on. And, and someone may, you know, it, it's hard to tell when when someone will. I think I'm going to be posthumously huge. <laughs> yeah. There you I go. Just, uh, the, I just the, don't, I wish I didn't, like, have to fake my own funeral to, right, to actually to experience well, it. Well, now you gave it away, though. I mean, if yeah. you, you know. If you have the real one, that sucks. Yeah. You know, but yeah. if you fake it, you could at least watch from a distance That's for a while true. until they figure out what Unless you've we done. get to watch and then our, you jump Unless we out get to see end. it anyway. I'm we, alive. We don't, we don't know that oh, we that's don't true. get to. That's true. That's true. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know. And the, the, the great mystery is the great mystery. Like, we're talking about all these things about what we don't know and what we can't control. Um, it's much bigger than whether my music career takes off or doesn't. Yeah, it's, totally. We don't know the the answers. We don't know what is going to happen in five minutes from now. We no. don't no, know. And we we no. definitely believe in good sort or of bad. A, we definitely believe in sort of a mystical force or something beyond what we know. I do. Yeah. yeah. I actually couldn't do what I do without believing that there's something more than what we see. And I don't... It, it doesn't need to be some prescribed thing. It doesn't need to be literal belief in, in a holy book or whatever. But I, oh, I definitely, I mean, we could, that could be another whole subject for me because I, I'm a big believer in, you know, dreams being, having meaning and deja vu <laughs> oh experiences. And I've had all kinds of sort of paranormal type experience, synchronicities. Mm-hmm. I'm super into looking for patterns and right? things and seeing odd when coincidences. When you finally open up your brain you and your read mind those, to it. Do you ever read those books about, I have like a book of coincidences, you know, like my kids get annoyed when I talk about this, but like the, sometimes they're just like, <laughs> dad, it's just a coincidence. But you like, just That's for example, you can Google this one on your own. There's a story. The actor Anthony Hopkins has a. There's like a story involving him and this book. You can Google it later. You'll just Anthony look. Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins book or something like this. Yep. Yeah, book coincidence. There, there's some of these things when you look them up or you read about them. And if you want to tell me with a straight face, you think that's just totally random. Go ahead, but I don't. I don't even think it's possible with some of the things that happen. And oh, I'm talk to your friends. Talk to your friends about coincidences that they've had. I've brought it up on Facebook before. I've had people tell me stories that I know they're not making up. That they're way, way beyond the bounds of plausibility in terms of just being random. So, Mm -hmm. well, we've talked about it. I mean, I there's a there's a certain part of where we are right now. What we've been doing for the last couple of years that I completely know that i had a vision of in a way when sure. i was younger and in college mm-hmm. like interesting I, mm-hmm. yeah i don't I, it's not like literal yeah but i just have you know we've talked about like it's, a guiding oh, it's force. your gut i've never worried about anything gut. because i always kind of knew where life yeah. was taking me in it's, some weird it's way interesting isn't it it and, is and the deja vu experiences are especially you know people can give you some kind of scientific mumbo jumbo about how your brain there's a lag in your perception that's why you perceive deja vu or whatever but i had one last night when i was playing where like 
yeah, I've played this gig, this national night out. I've done this. A few years. Yeah. But that wasn't it. It was a literal specific lining up where I looked out and I the exact visual thing I was seeing was something I'd seen in a dream or something. Right. And, you know, I whenever it happens, I'm always like, okay, why Why is this? Why? What's, what is the another significance? Dimension? I don't know what it for is. You when this is but yeah. I'm super into wow. that. I was been a, you know, ever since I was a kid and started watching The Twilight Zone and all that stuff. You I know, would, coincidence? So, so now we're I'm having t- deja vu. Holy you. shit. Before yeah, you, you came in here, uh-huh. we were, I don't know how we even got on this topic. Well, oh, no, it, it was I one do. of the people I, well, emailed. I put something out on Craigslist that was, it was a little tongue-in-cheek, but it was a little bit, uh, we're looking for a, a co-partner, a champion for mm-hmm. our company. We mm-hmm. we have we know what we have and we know what we've done and how right. far we've gotten and we know that we could use someone to pour some resources, sure. some <laughs> gasoline on right. this right. and help us move along. So I put this thing out on Craigslist and, and I have received the usual... Uh, Crackpot. Crackpot somewhere sure. somewhere in Ethiopia, yeah. you know, someone trying to take advantage of me. Think sure. And in the last couple of days, I received two messages from people I knew to be Minnesotan by the way they wrote. Yeah. And I knew they were real Legit, and decent. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this woman, uh, Michelle, she reached out to me again today. We've yeah. kind of had this back and forth, and she yeah. referenced she referenced yeah. Twilight, uh, the Twilight, Twilight Zone, Zone movie. And, Twilight Zone movie, and so well, the, well this is an old movie. She, this is oh, old I know Twilight. the Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah original. John Twilight. She referenced yeah, the, the, yeah. the fact that she uh, looks out the plane window every time and expects to see that monster that Lithgow's. Uh, uh, yes, you know, yes. and then you come in and talk about the Twilight see? Zone. Well, so we were watching. We a were clip. watching it before you came in. Oh, just you to were? refresh yeah. our memory. Rod Serling about the Rod all Serling, this. the original. Yep. Uh huh. And so it's, you know, but it's because there's a new Twilight Zone too that. There uh, is, yeah. yeah. I haven't Jordan Peele done much mm. with oh. that executive producer and narrator. Oh. I watched. I watched every. My kids and I watched it. We got CBS All Access, so we could watch. Is it, it good? <laughs> Some of it was. It was a mixed bag, a little mm. bit. But, but it, even the original was a mixed bag. Well, it all if you're is. Being fair, it all know? is. You're going to tackle those kinds of subjects. You're going to have things that work and things that don't. So but. do you? Uh, do you talk like this with your kids? Yeah. Yeah, because I I go up north all the time yeah. to Bemidji. We have some land up there, and and uh, so they get four hours of. Oh, it, uh, <laughs> and we'll have we'll we've talked about it. Yeah, they'll they've got the option. They can play their little games yeah, for right. a little while. Yeah, but either that or it's uh, let's talk to dad, ask my, questions, and it's it's four parents, hours of everything. They, my kids spend time like every week with my parents, and it's like almost every week I get this report back from my parents about. Your kids are like unbelievable. I like hmm. the things they talk about with my kids, and <laughs> right. it's like because we have these conversations. You know, the, they my parents are like they they know every Democratic candidate running for president. <laughs> like they know stuff about each one, and I'm like, yeah, it's because we like watch the debates proud, and right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys watch the debates all together? Uh, we did one of them. We did. They were with their mom. The other, the, you know, there were two nights. You mean talking about last? Mm-hmm. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We watched one one of them together, and and my daughter always says that my son and I talk back to the TV too much. Oh. So we, you know, we're, we're like grandpa the yelling TV at the, yeah, we yell at the tv but uh but 
yeah no we talk about all all that kind of thing and philosophical religious yeah. you know life after or you know what happens after we die where mm-hmm. the universe begin what's, <laughs> yeah. what's how so you're ruining your children just oh, like I'm i am totally yeah. i'm totally ruining them and i and i never let anything sit unchallenged either you know if somebody says well it started with the big bang i'm always come back with yeah what was before that <laughs> totally. i'm always the guy who says what was before the yeah. big yeah yeah <laughs> So, so it makes me wonder uh, if if we're going down this path of, you know, things happen and you kind of know that the universe is guiding things. Like, yeah. I wonder if collectively humanity is is reaching sort of a crisis point right well, now. Well, I think we are. I, think, I do too. I think we clearly are. And I think that part of the crisis is that we're disconnected from all these feelings of connection. Like... Yes, the, from the, humanity the separation itself. Separation is the is the root of the crisis in a lot of ways. The crumbling, everything we've just been talking about, is the reason that you know. And also, I've had. Have you had? I don't know. Uh, like, I don't know what you think about some of these like ideas that climate change is somehow wrapped up with it too. That like that the you know the societal disintegration is somehow uh linked up with the planet you know i don't know i don't even know well, that's probably a whole there's probably people who can be much more eloquent in discussing how all that's even intertwined but how I, it's working yeah, simultaneously I, I do sort of think so yeah well, I we think put out a disclaimer that that there is uh there's nothing Factual, factual to be gained from listening to our podcast you're not necessarily no, no, going to no we're not we're not, not i get I we're get not at that, that level but you spent time in europe yeah. uh you know my i spent some time in europe and and what i recognized about germany and and really mm-hmm. most of the countries around europe uh yeah, we look at it like there's maybe too much order or something mm-hmm. but the order and cleanliness and care and equity mm-hmm. seem to be so much more pronounced there than what we've got i i felt that to, i felt that and yet i also as a jewish person visiting europe had a lot of other feelings i'm sure and i went to uh no and i agree with you not to just immediately take a contrarian take on that because i actually agree and i felt all those things too but i also uh went when i was in germany i so i had a gig i, I should just talk about this because i I wanted to go to at least some some I well when I went with my kids to Europe last year I we went to Normandy Beach and we mm-hmm. we did mm-hmm. a lot of you know we saw we went to like the Churchill War Room in London too and so, so, so took in some of this that aspect of of the World War II history but then when I was in Germany I was like well I want to I want to go to one of the camps or something and I didn't know if I was going to be able to and then um uh, the guy who set up the tour told me that one of my gigs was in, I don't even know if I say the town right, there's a town called Bad Vollingbostel. Sure. Uh, and it's it, like in northern Germany and it, right next to it is Bergen-Belsen, the, the camp. And there's, you know, so on the day that I had a gig in that town, I left early that day and made time to go to the camp. And I was walking around this this concentration camp memorial by myself and it was just super intense you know just i'd never been to any of those places and then i was at one and i was there myself and the only 
there are a few things that happened that were sort of odd i mean for one thing this is really strange but there's like a nato base right by the camp mm-hmm. and so when you're in the camp you're wandering around you can pretty much there's like a museum you know but then there's you can just walk around the actual remnants of the camp and you're hearing artillery live artillery oh, well yeah isn't that weird yeah wow. and, and the only other people touring the camp at the same time i was was soldiers who were just uh from the NATO base that they, you know, it was so close that, you know, they go and they're interested. So they go and there was a couple different groups of soldiers in uniform. Um, And it's like where Anne Frank was, it's where she died. Uh, She died of typhus. And so there's like, they don't even know if they found her actual body, but her and her sister, there's a gravestone for the, her and her sister, Margot there at the camp. And, um, I just had, you know, speaking of like strange experiences, I was getting kind of like almost as I was, you know, like GPS my way there, which is odd in itself, right? You're GPSing your right. way to a concentration camp when you think about how people were taken there against their will and all this. And then, I mean, just but, the change in that amount mm-hmm. of time. Right, yeah. right. Everything. Yeah. But uh, so I was, and I, for, I realized later that I heard some of that artillery fire as I was on. The, I didn't know what that was. I heard it and I didn't know what I was hearing. I thought I'd blown out, thought I'd blown out a tire on my car actually. Went, but I, I was coming. It was a sunny day and I was driving. Uh, there's these really curvy little two lane roads to get there, and mm-hmm. I went. It was sunny and then I went around a curve, and it like the sky went dark. I. I I'm making it sound like I experienced some paranormal thing, but I kind of felt like I did. Like the sky went dark as I went around this curve, and I felt like the wi- mm. the weather totally changed. Mm-hmm. And I felt this this, and I was like getting. I was so anxious about it. I was getting like sick to my stomach. Just like I didn't know if I even wanted to keep going and go to this, but especially by myself. I mean, I ended up being glad I did. But there was something really it's odd the about energy, right? Yeah, That's and then and there was like there was. You know, so wandering around there by myself, I sort of, you know, I felt like it was haunted or something. Uh, well, it know? is. Yeah. I mean, and I was, yeah. And I, and I went to, there was like this little memorial chapel building on the grounds of, of the camp. And there was like a little table with candles and little people, kids had written messages to, you know, like in memory of the people there. And I went into this little it was like this little triangular building and I went in by myself and about like two minutes later I fi- I was like I have to get out of here right. like this is freaking me out and it wasn't it wasn't like I necessarily saw anything or whatever but just being there by myself it was a big it was you could was, feel yeah it, it was really strange yeah. but I was glad I went but it was just well, an, you know in the middle of like my rock and roll tour mm-hmm. to go to this camp uh, was pretty intense and i ended up having a gig in that town that night and that was just sort of strange too you know? and then that was after it was the after experience. Yeah. yeah yeah so if if you know we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about all this but it but it's interesting to me and yeah if yeah, we very much as is. humans if we have gone through a period of progression let's say yeah where where we've advanced technology and and whatever science all of it Mm -hmm. uh the human cost of that progression is you know our native cultures that were right that were taken over uh 
enslaved cultures, blacks yep. especially, but enslaved people. Yep. Uh, the World War Two. World War One was atrocious enough. Right. World War Two. Yeah, I mean, people, we in our America, like our education system, pretty much misses World War One. Yeah. Right? What do we even know? What does your average person even know about World War One? I? I mean, it's they kind of gloss right over. Pretty much, we've replaced it with discussing World War Two, which is, of course, horrific in so many levels. But World War One was awful. And Terrible. we don't learn anything about it practically. And we'd had the 100th anniversary. Mm-hmm. In fact, while I was in Europe, it, I was in Hamburg the day of the, they were ringing the bells. I was visiting Beatles landmarks. And meanwhile, world history came in because all across the street from one of the, the Indra or one of the clubs that the Beatles played at, all of a sudden the bells started ringing for the 100th anniversary of the end of World War One. when I was there. You know, it was November 11th. Um, 1919 or 1918 I mean and I was there November 11th you know 2018 it's and crazy it was just, and we gloss over these things yeah. and the and the human cost of, of World War One, World War Two. I right. mean there's you know 6 million plus Jews right. 80 million people worldwide right, right. Uh, at least but, but they the, can kind of account for plus we're still engaging in wars like right when, I, it, but part of what you sense over there is at least that they that they they've experienced it on their soil and they they don't want it they don't want it again and they learn about it and they talk they learn from their mistakes yeah and like it it scares me at times that just we don't seem to have the historical awareness Mm -mm. as much and we don't even talk that much about the civil war and the whole meaning of that and i'm worried too i I really truly Mm. am and i don't talk about it openly very often but i'm concerned that we're gonna have another civil war yeah that we that we are dividing into bloodshed in order for us to be enlightened you know, be, have it beaten out of us in a way that we don't want fighting. Why? Why would we get ourselves into this right. massively divisive position? I also right? it's benefiting none just of to us. chime in. I also think that with all the well, there is a lot of divisiveness going on. But something that we're trying to do with this podcast is increase just having the conversation and making connections. Right. And the fact that you say you know you're struggling and the same that we are with money too. Yeah. <laughs> in a way, we can be honest about it. Yeah. But. I think the four of us around this table can be very proud of what we're trying to contribute yeah, and trying to make a positive influence. And I think we're seeing it in this next generation that's coming up, that they are making those connections and it's more of a spiritual awakening. I'm going to do something. I'm very positive that's about that. Something's uh, that, happening. that is a good point and I hope that it's, yeah, we're... We're trying to carry the torch, right? Yeah, I mean, we can't just put blinders on and say it's not happening it's we're we're at a we're pretty much at a crossroads like mm-hmm. right now like today yeah i know i mean i and i and i i'm maybe we really today it, it it feels like it can go one way or it can go the other way at this point and we it's maybe it won't be up to our generation to decide so yeah I have or to maybe it up. is our generation or maybe we are yeah i maybe. feel like our generation is just finally coming into the power roles uh sort of the baby boomers are sort of exiting it's time to take the wheel yeah mm-hmm. someone's gotta um, drive this thing this is like mm-hmm. the shittiest segue <laughs> i know shittiest, well, saddest it almost segue. happened because i was gonna say like well we are all making connections and, that, and contributing connections. you know mm-hmm. and that's really what mm-hmm. it's about if you look at and we'll you know we'll talk about andalin and legacy matters and our company uh kineticlegacy.us is our website but uh, we are 
100% focused on making connections in different mm -hmm. ways and bringing people back to a, a point where they have these conversations mm -hmm. with each other. So as depressing as the segue may be, um, <laughs> we've, we've definitely enjoyed our time talking and I think this is where Likewise. we'd like to give you your opportunity to promote whatever I mean I know you've got an album coming yeah. out and we but just made website. everyone sad mm -hmm. yep but yeah let's but let's talk about what you are actually well, doing and what you want to talk about yeah so I'm well I first of all I do have a traditional website it's danisraelmusic.com mm. so dan pretty Israel straight music d-a-n-i-s-r-a-e-l-m-u-s-i-c.com you can google me too and you can find all kinds of stuff if you just google me i have a facebook fan page you i trust you can find that under pages i think i'm <laughs> the only dan israel who's a musician from minnesota who's has a fan page with the you know about 1400 people who like it <laughs> so there you go Big time. um yep. i'm on twitter i i do you tweet? I do tweet. I go back and forth sometimes with how much to put on Twitter, how much political stuff, how much just is just I'm playing this show or whatever. But sometimes I just run over it. I just I flee Facebook sometimes and I kind of hide over at Twitter, you know. Sure. And so that's Dan Israel Music as well at Dan Israel Music. Um, and then I'm on Instagram too at Dan Israel 1971. If anyone, I, I'm not a super like, I don't do as much with Instagram, but I tried to get into it a little because it's at least a good way to post some photo and video content sometimes. So um, you can check that out. And then, uh, you know, I'm I'm playing around town like a lot. And if people are interested, there it's not hard to find. Uh, when I'm performing, sometimes solo, sometimes with a band, uh, sometimes tribute shows to Bob Dylan and other things like that. But the biggie yes is my, I've got a release show and it's going to be Friday, October 4th at the Hook and Ladders Mission Room with Katie Vernon opening. Um, and she's playing like a solo set and then I'm playing with my band the rest of the night. We're having all kinds of special guests, people who played on the record. And that place doesn't, you know, I'm not like the biggest draw in town, but that place doesn't fit that many people. So I think mm -hmm. we actually may fill it up. So if you're interested, get on that soon because we may actually run out of spot spots for you. Sure. So, Is yeah. Katie Vernon yeah. someone we should reach out to? You, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, she would be a great guest for your show. In okay. fact, talk to me. I got I got more suggestions than you ever. <laughs> but Katie's excellent and great. a good interview and has a lot of things to say and. Uh, well, yeah. and we'll try and promote you both at the same time yeah. that we put yeah. it out. So we, we'd we, be happy to. Awesome. And uh, so I'm going to be around. I'll be out there. And if people want to find out more about me, the, all they got to do is Google. Well, and I'd say uh, based on, on the last hour and 15 minutes of my life, all I have to do is ask you. That's right. <laughs> like I will talk. <laughs> I'm like a wind-up toy. <laughs> Just get me going. Dan, yeah. it's been great, though. Yeah, oh, thank you really for having me on. Thank it's been you. really cool to have a good, interesting conversation with you all. And Yeah. Yeah. We're very, like very happy to have you here. Thanks so. for contributing. Yes, thank you. Thank you. All right. All right, everyone, thanks for listening. We love comments and feedback, so go ahead and let us have it. If you'd like to learn more about Andalin and other legacy projects, visit the website at andalin.app or kineticlegacy.us. Take care. Mm -hmm.